if you've not been with us uh, on Great Offering Night, it's a different night. And uh, <clears throat> it's going to take a while. I said it's going to take a while. So you need to relax and just, huh? Don't, don't be in a rush. I'm telling you ahead of time. It's going to, it's going to take a while. But you know, you need to examine yourself if you think you can't stay in church for an hour or two or three. People routinely watch movies that are three hours long. And sometimes watch two or three in a row. And so if you can do that, but you can't be in church, that's a priority thing. But the reason we do this is I believe by the leading of the Lord some, I guess will soon be, what, 20 years ago in this meeting, the Lord directed us to. And uh, for years I would uh, endeavor to, um, would have the offering and preach, have the offering and preach, have the offering and preach, you know, like you usual flow. And at one point the Lord corrected me. He said, no, the, um, let, let me read it the way he said it to me. He said, uh, the service is the offering and the offering is the message. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times we'll share something in, in the offering about you know, our faith to give and that kind of thing. And then go to the message after that. But the Lord said on this night, there was not to be a, any kind of rush of the offering that the service is the offering. And the offering is the message. And so it is our great offering night. It is um, public giving and big giving. Now, when I say big, I'm not just talking about amount. I'm talking about percentage, which is what the Scripture talks about. But public giving and big giving. And sometimes people, they, you know, that, that bothers them. And they say, well, no, you know, uh, the, the Scripture said you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand does. Well, that's one Scripture about one kind of offering. There are other Scriptures. And other kinds of offerings. And what you'll find is a lot of folks have it backwards when it says don't let your left hand know what your right does. That's talking about giving alms. Giving to those in need. And a lot of people, they just reverse what the scripture said. Uh, they, they hide what they personally give or don't give. And they publicly announce what they give to the poor. So they, and then they find fault with folks like us. But we want to do things according to the scripture. And I believe I have some very strong directives of the Lord tonight. And um, uh, we're not uh, trying to motivate anybody to give. All night long, there will be no effort on my part to try to motivate anybody to give. Most of our people, you're prepared to give. You came prepared to give. And we're going to be, we're going to be talking about that. But um, the, uh, the Lord spoke to me about ministers and ministries 
prior to this meeting, and he, he gave me something else today about it. And I, I'm, I'm confident that there can be absolute breakthroughs in financials for churches and ministries Amen. and ministers as well as everybody, the principles apply, but the Lord is specifically saying and doing some things. Are, are you awake? Are you here? Do you believe you could hear something from the Lord tonight? That would, are you willing to hear whatever he would say? about If it's him and if it's word, his word, are you willing to hear it? Amen. So be it. Uh, there are, you know, well, let me say it like this. Why don't more Christians give more? Let me ask that question. Because overall, throughout the body of Christ, average Christians giving is usually pretty anemic. Pretty sad. Uh, Much of the church world just does token giving. And they, you know, give change and just token stuff. And people get irate and upset and want to leave churches if you talk about giving. Uh, or if you, not our people, but some folks do. Uh, as if you mentioned the word tithing, uh, there are many pastors that will not even say these things from the pulpit. For fear. Are you all listening? Fear. And it's also why their churches struggle. And why after 30 years they still struggle. They refuse to preach part of the gospel. Abundance is not a side message. Now I know there are people who are off. And I mean there are people who are way off. There are people who their primary thing is prophesying money out of your pocket into theirs. I know that. But that doesn't change the real. That doesn't change how God has been all along and what the Word says. But giving and receiving an abundance is not a side message. It's part of the gospel. And if you're embarrassed of it and won't preach it, then you're ashamed of part of the gospel. And you're depriving your people. In order for the church to prosper, the people must prosper. Come on, are you with me? It's about the people prospering. And if you know, if you want God involved in your finances, you got to put Him first in your finances. How many think so? How do you put God first in your finances? How do you do that? Well, like we said, uh, why don't more Christians give more? Thank God our, our folks are givers. They are. We are. All of us are. But there are many places. It's pitiful what people give. It's absolutely pitiful. And nobody wants to talk about it or look at it or deal with it. Pitiful is the word. 
A lot of people don't give or much at all because they just got no desire to. It's a heart thing. But a whole lot more people, they don't give or don't give much because they don't have it. They don't have much. But what they fail to ask, the next question is, why don't they have? Why don't they have much? Uh, About five years into the ministry, Phyllis and I, we, you know, we, we weren't, we didn't go hungry growing up, but our parents weren't wealthy by any stretch. And when we went into the ministry, we began to learn, like Phyllis said, from Brother Copeland's ministry, Miss Gloria, and then from Brother Hagin's ministry. We began to learn about God's will being abundance. We began to learn about sowing and reaping. And, and so uh, God blessed us. And we, we made more money than we had ever made, which wasn't much. And, um, but then we got, we got messed up. We got behind. We got behind on our, our taxes and we got, we were struggling. And about five years into the ministry, one day I came in from work and I, I was so bothered by it. Nobody else was home. I just came and fell across the bed and cried out. I said, Lord, I know this is not your will. We wanted to give. And we just didn't have hardly anything. We wanted to do things. And, and we were just, and we were in a mess financially. It just, we, we were under. We were, you know, we, you'd have had to have a lot of money just to break even. And I cried out to the Lord and I I mean, we've already been around the Word. We've been in the ministry for, what, three or four years now. I think this was about 1985 or so. And, uh, you know, the, it is true. When you reach out to the Lord with all your heart, He'll hear you. Is that right? When you mean business, He'll answer you. And so, I, I laid there and cried out to the Lord and I said, Lord, whatever, whatever we need, please send it to us, send us to it, open our eyes and ears to it. I know struggling like this financially, not having anything, not having anything to give. I know this is not your will. I see it in your word, but we're not experiencing it, the abundance. And I didn't get the answers that day, but looking back now, something changed. And from that point forward, the Lord began to minister to me about this subject. And it seemed like for a year or two, every day or every other day, he's showing me something about this. He's showing me something about this. And the way it turned in the real, do you know why I'm sharing this with you? Because we're all dealing with the same issues, right? What, the answer for us was the word, and it's the same word for anybody. The right after that, the Lord began to deal with me. Read Haggai. Haggai. That's about where a lot of pages, people's pages are stuck together. It's in the Bible. Just two chapters. 
Just two chapters. A little short book. Haggai. Why don't you turn back there and find it? Haggai. If you can't find it, they'll put it on the screen. Don't, don't get concerned. But Haggai, the Lord dealt with me. Go back there and read that. And so I, I would go read it. And then he'd deal with me, read it again. So I'd read it again. I had read it four or five times, and, and the Lord would prompt me, go back and read it again. <laughs> now, when the Lord's doing that, guess what? You're being slow. <laughs> it's not that it's so hard or it's so complicated. <laughs> but see, we live in a dark place down here. And the enemy is always trying to obstruct your vision. Always trying to interfere and distract and all that. And uh, you, you got to make up your mind that you're going to be persistent. And if the Lord wants you to get it, you're going to stay with it till you get it. And you're not going to let him steal the word from you. So I read it. And I read it. And I read it. I don't know how many times I read it. This, this happened over months. And then finally, I sat back in my chair. I said, I see it, Lord. I see it. I see it. I see it. And I took my pen and in my Bible next to Haggai title, I wrote Matthew 6.33. Which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Let me read to you from Haggai 1 and verse 2. Haggai 1, 2 says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say. So the Lord is saying what he heard people saying. Does the Lord hear what we say? He said, This people are saying, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you? O you, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? They weren't saying they weren't going to build the Lord's house. What were they saying? Not now. Come on, can you see that? Not now. But we're going to do it, you know, when we get in better shape and when we get done with our house. And the Lord said, is it time? You said it's not time to build my house. But is it time for you to dwell in your nice houses, your sealed houses, and my house is lying waste? What's their mistake? Putting their self first. That violates God's first principle of prosperity. He said, now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You've sown much. Now that's talking about natural investment. And you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Many people have experienced that. It seems like you get paid and then where's the money? You know, you got more week than you got paycheck. Not enough. 
repeatedly not enough. He said, verse 7, he said again, consider your ways. Everybody say, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Many people are saying, oh God, I need more. Oh God, I need more. Oh God, I need more. And he's saying, consider your ways. Look at how you're living. Look at what you're doing. Look at what your priorities are. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, bring the wood, and build the house. What house? His house. Right? What's he say? Build my house. Build my house. Somebody say his house first. His house first. I'll take pleasure in it. And I'll be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, says the Lord? Because of my house that is waste, and you run every man to his own house. Go to the second chapter, 15th verse. They heeded the word of the Lord through Haggai. They stopped putting it off. And they begin immediately to build the Lord's house. They made the change. They, they believed the Lord and they believed his prophets. Anybody know the rest of that, that verse? Yes, so shall you prosper. Is that right? Yes, and they did. And verse 15, the Lord said after he said, he said, I pray you consider from this day up and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. In other words, from the day you moved the first stone to start fixing my house and building my house, since those days were when one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were just 10. When you came to press fat to draw out 50 vessels of press, there were but 20. When you should have made $10,000 on that deal, you only made five. Smote you with blasting and mildew and hail and the labors of your hands. Yet you turned not to me, says the Lord. Consider now this day, from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day, somebody say the day, the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? The vine, the fig tree, and the pomegranate, olive tree have not brought forth. In other words, you know, the crops hadn't produced yet. It was early in the year. But I, he said, I want you to know, from this day, what day? The day you started building my house, the day you started putting my house first, from this day, I will bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're running out. You're running short. It's going to be over. Yes. Huh? Yes. Come on, can you see that? Yes. Can you see why the Lord had me read this? Over, I didn't get it for the first several times, but then I saw, whoo, that's it. That's it. Matthew 6.33. Now put Matthew 6.33 up on the, uh, the screen for us. Matthew 6.33. I, I, I saw that, and I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I want to put you first. I want to, I want to do that first. And it wasn't but a day or so after that, I was, I was driving in a car, going somewhere. And just like that, the Lord starts talking to me about this. Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.33. And I had quoted it. I had preached on it. We've been in ministry for five years. And, and he said, Keith, 
The Lord knows our name. Keith, you're like many of my people. You know this, but you're not practicing it. You're not doing it. When he said you, I know he's talking about Phyllis and I. He said, you're like many of my people. You know this, but you're not practicing it. Well, I'm a preacher. We left things and made sacrifices to start in a minute. Yeah, but we weren't practicing it. Preaching it is not the same as practicing it. Knowing it is not the same as practicing it. Having books about it, having tape series is not the same as practicing it. And I saw, I began to see. What does he mean? Like many of my people, I begin to just see it in my heart. People get paid, they get money, and they, uh, they buy groceries, they pay insurance bills, they, um, kids need some shoes, uh, they need this for their uh, house, or uh, on and on and on. And then uh, in a few days they go to church, and it's offering time, and they think, well, I'd like to give, but we just don't have much, so here's a five. They have violated the first principle of prosperity. They put themselves first. They put their job first, their house first, their kids first, even their hobbies. First. Now, I'm not telling you something I thought of. The Lord told us this. Phyllis and me. I'm telling you what he told us. They put everything else ahead of him. And the Lord gave me these words for tonight. Forethought and afterthought. Somebody say forethought and afterthought. Many, many Christians are giving as an afterthought. They don't even think about it until it's that time of the service. And then they check and see what they can give. What they can comfortably afford. The Lord can't bless that. I know folks don't like this kind of talking, but I'm telling you, God has changed Keith and Phyllis's life. We're no longer struggling like we were. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody say glory to God. I'm shouting because I know where he brought us from. We're blessed. We're blessed. And one of the greatest parts of our blessing is that we're able to bless others. We're able to empower others. We're able to give on a level we never dreamed we'd be able to give years ago. When I was laying across the bed crying, God heard my prayer. He brought me out. But we had to change some things. Us preachers had to change some things. 
Would you like to know some things we changed? Go to Leviticus, the 27th chapter, please. The Lord said, uh, Keith, he's so kind. You know, that, that reminds me, the Bible said, if you lack wisdom, do what? Ask of God. And he gives what? Liberally. And he won't upbraid you. He won't say, you dummy. <laughs> he's, he's so kind. I asked him. And we really should have known better on some of these things. But he said, Keith, <laughs> kind. He loves us so much. He said, you, and I knew he meant me and you, Phyllis and I, you are like many of my people. You know this. But you're not practicing it. You're not doing it. And so I I knew this is an answer. Major answer. And I said Lord. Forgive me. Show us. Show us how to do this. Teach us how to. How to. Practice this. And one of the first things he did was take me back here. Leviticus. 2730. Before we read it, let me just ask you a question. We're, a, we're about to receive a great offering. I mean great offering. Great, great offering. Millions of dollars. Would it be okay if Phyllis and I just put that in our checking account? You know, mixed it together with our personal funds. Maybe buy a boat with it. (laughs) Or a vacation home. Y'all with me or not? Would that be okay? I want an answer. Is that okay? Are you sure? Or should we absolutely keep separate our money from the church's money. Yes or no? I mean absolutely. Absolutely. But what about you? I said what about you? You feel strong that we should do something that you never intend to practice? That's hypocrisy. <laughs> the, uh, the Lord took me to this verse. Leviticus 27:30. What does it say? All the tithe of the land, whether it's seed or fruit, is, is, is whose? It's the Lord's, and it's holy to the Lord. There was debate at that time in some ministry circles about where the tithe should go. And some were saying it can only go here. Others were saying it should only go here. Hear how quiet it got? Yeah. <laughs> and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, who does the tithe belong to? 
He, I mean, it wasn't a hesitation. He said, me. And he took me right here. He said, the tithe is mine. It belongs to me. And before you go any further, that's the thing you got to get settled. And Phyllis and I, we, we talked about it. We saw it. We repented. We said, Lord, because prior to that, we had kind of, sort of tithed when we could. Which means we weren't. And it was kind of, it was mixed up. And the Lord helped us to see it. We immediately, I guess it was that next Monday or whatever, we opened a separate account. And it was our God account. And that's his money. That's not our money. We can't spend that money on what I don't care if we're hungry. Are y'all, y'all with me or not? It's not our money. It's his money. And there, there became this separation of what's his and what's ours. Now you'll hear people say, well, well, everything I have is his. It's all his. Well, that's not true. Uh, if it's all his, why do you keep spending his money on yourself? <laughs> I like something, Brother Kenneth, you said years ago about uh, people talk about, you know, oh, don't get that nice thing. Get the cheap thing and we'll save the Lord some money. We'll save the Lord some money. Didn't you say the Lord said to you, when am I going to get all this money that they're saving me? <laughs> He's never going to see that money. Yeah, all that money they're saving for the Lord. No, it's not true. If all of it is his, then you have nothing to give. You have, you have nothing that's yours that you can give. You can't give to him. unless Now, by right of creation, yeah, he made it all. But when he gives you something, it's yours then. Hmm? When he gives it to you, it's yours. And he didn't say, half of it's mine. What did he say? Ten percent. The tenth. That's what tithe means is the tenth. And you hear all kind of people say, well, Brother Keith, that's, you know, that's Leviticus. That's, that's Old Testament. And we're not under the law. Well, you show your ignorance of Scripture when you talk like that. Why did Abraham tithe? There was no law. Come on, are you with me or not? There was no law. And in Matthew and Luke, Jesus said you should tithe. Jesus said it. Now, I put stock in what he says. I don't know about you. Jesus said, look it up. Jesus said you should tithe. Especially, I think it's the living Bible is, is really good on that. Uh, Matthew and Luke both say it. You should tithe. Jesus said it. Red letters. And in Hebrews, he talks about, here men that die receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it's witnessed that he lives. We got a great high priest who's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, 
And if you'll do it with the right heart, he will receive your tithe. Amen. Go to Malachi, please, the third chapter. And if you say, well, I know where he's going. Yeah, but are you doing it? Are you doing anything about it? <laughs> Y'all okay? I don't believe I'm just saying this of myself. I believe there are breakthroughs happening tonight. Phyllis and I had a breakthrough. Man, we, we, things changed in our life. Changed in our life. I saw we had just bought a new car. And, uh, I realized I, I wasn't, do, we weren't doing Matthew 6.33. The Lord told me that. And I, so we began, we, we got our financials down. We looked at them hard. And if you want to see what your priorities are, look at your bank account. There it is. Where, where's your giving rate in all that? And I realized with our big car payment that we had and the big insurance we had and, and the big thing on this, it, it was putting us in a place where we had nothing left to give. And we, we had put that ahead. You know, the time before you sign a dotted line for 40 easy payments or, uh, you know, and then decide, uh-oh, now I can't give. You should have looked at that first, right? And then you maybe decided not to go that way. But I saw it. We repented. And I went and sold, I sold that car, took a big loss on it, and rode with Phyllis. For what, a year and a half, the Lord had given her a car that it was paid for. And so I rode with her, and we quit eating out so much, and we paid this off and paid this off. And the Lord told me when I sold the car, he said, son, I don't care if you have five of these, but they can't be first. I don't care if you have five of them, but it can't be first. When you put yourself first, your things first, and your children first, that means God's not first. You violated the first and the big principle of prosperity. And so Malachi 6, excuse me, 3, verse 6, Malachi 3, 6, he said, I am the Lord. I change not. Our covenant has changed, not God. God hadn't changed. Why? All the way back in Genesis, the first murder occurred over an offering. Cain killed his brother Abel over the offering. Why are they even having an offering? There's no law. There's no law that tells them they're supposed to have an offering. And then Abraham comes along and, and tithes. There was no law telling him to tithe. Why did they do that? Because it's always been a spiritual principle that you honor God with your substance and the first fruits of everything that comes in. You honor him. Oh, come on. Can you say amen? Well, how much? How much? How much? What's the number? He said 10% of it is his. 
That's what he said. He said, that's mine. And what you want to give above that, that's yours. That's yours. That's an offering that you are giving to him. That if you do it right, he'll receive it from you. And multiply it. And increase it back to you. He said, I'm the Lord. I don't change. If he wanted and received offerings in Genesis and with Abraham, and we're still talking about it in Hebrews, you can begin to see he hadn't changed. People have changed. Do we honor God less under a new and better covenant than they did? People say, well, I just believe in being led by the Spirit. Amen, brother. But if you're consistently doing less than people did under the old covenant, you ain't being led. You're not being led. I'm the Lord. I don't change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me. Now that in other places that, that same words are, are, are used. Restore to me. Bring, bring back to me. Bring again to me. What? And, and I will return to you, said the Lord of hosts. But they said, what should we bring back? What are, what are we going to bring back to you? And he said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Now, I know there are churches now that they, they only preach, preach their version of grace. And they wouldn't dare read anything like this. They're like, well, that don't apply to us anymore. So how do you put God first in your finances? How do you do it? No, he said, the tithe is mine. And he said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Why is this in the Bible? For no reason. He said, well, you're cursed with the curse because you robbed me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He won't destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you'll be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. How many like the idea of uh, being so blessed you don't have enough room to receive all the good things? Do you like that? How many like the idea of the devourer being rebuked for your sake, off of you and your stuff? But you can't have that without the other part. This is what the the, the reason I'm talking about this now, because the Lord said to me before the meeting ever started uh, the week before. He said, Keith, many people that have benefited from your ministry and listened to your ministry for years and years, some of them even decades, and they know what you've taught on this. They do not practice it. They still have not decided whether it's true or not, or 
And, be, and that's, that's why they still struggle. Struggle, struggle. And they've cried out to me. They've begged me, please help me. But they have rejected the word. And chosen not to act on it. We've been talking about faithfulness. Right? Greatest key to increase. Anybody remember what, what the Lord said in, in Luke 16, 10, 11, and 12? About the three areas that faith, huh? faithfulness is going to be proven. Let, let me read it to you again. They'll put it on the screen for us. Luke 16. Y'all got time for this? I told you this is going to take a little time. Huh? You okay? And, and don't make it about me and you. And I say, well, I don't know if I believe, but I agree with Brother Keith on all that. The Word. The Word. You and the Word. Just you and the Word. But don't make it about the money. Make it about the Word. Luke 16.10. I'm reading in today's NIV. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So what's one area that, that our faithfulness is going to be proven? The little. Small. Things, little things. Verse 11, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? This is not talking about, this one is not talking about revelation. It's not talking about anointing, right? It's talking about natural material stuff. Money and material things. If, if you're not faithful in that, the Lord said you wouldn't be faithful in true riches. A lot of people got that twisted around. But Jesus is right. And what's number 12? Verse 12. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, the tithe is not yours, dear heart. I said the tithe. Is someone else's property. Now, I know not everybody's going to believe it. People are going to scoff and mock. But you'll be broke next time I see you. Didn't mean to say that. but Well, it's kind of irritating. That... You've, we've heard these things. We've heard these things. We've heard some folk. The Lord told me that. He said, there's people that heard you preach this 20 years ago. And they don't do it. They just, they like you. And they like to listen to you. But when it gets to that part, they just kind of tune out somewhere. And they're like, oh, um, he'll get off that in a minute. And it's not about trying to motivate anybody to give to us. I'm telling you what got us out of debt. I'm telling you what got us out of broke. I'm telling you what got us where we could pay everything off. Where we could give. We could give. We could give seriously. We could give substantially. And then it just multiplied and got bigger and bigger and bigger. Everything we've got. Every building, every piece of equipment in the ministry is paid for. And even through COVID, we're able to help multiple other ministries and churches. Why is that? And we've even had people say, well, if I had all the connections you had, 
I could do something too. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because we didn't start out with all these connections. (laughs) No, you're wrong. And according to Jesus, you'd do exactly with a lot what you're doing right now with what you've got right now. That's not how it works. Someone else's property, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you that which is your own? Friend, don't put this off. Make up your mind. I'm not saying, you know, if you see it clear, decide right now. If you don't see it clear, don't put this off. Go home, put your nose in this book. Study it from front to back and then look at it again and again. Lay before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to get this settled. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Huh? We read scripture, right? I said the tithe belongs to the Lord. I'm going to say it over here. The tithe. Belong to the back. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It's not yours to spend on you and your kids and your bills. And so what Phyllis and I began doing, we opened up that account, named it that, God account. And so every time money would come into us, we'd take off the top. Before you pay a bill, before you look at anything else, take right off the top and you put it in that God account. And that's his. We can't spend that on one thing for ourselves personally. That's his. And so we knew that we wanted offering in addition to tithe. And so what we start out with um, 12% or 13%, just, just a couple of percent over the tithe. And so we would take uh, right off the top of our paychecks and the things that came in and offerings, uh, that 12, 13%, whatever it was, and we'd put that in there. Well, if you do that every time you get paid, it accumulates. Is that principle of the word? Well, you need some scripture. I can see you need, you need scripture. Uh, do you remember what we've already studied uh, earlier this week with the ten virgins we read about? Yes. Huh? Yes. Matthew 25. You remember that? Yes. Five of them were foolish. Yes. Y'all awake? Yes. This could change your life. Change your life totally. Financially. Five foolish... Five wise. What was, what was the big thing with them? The Weiss translation says, now five of them were without forethought or wisdom. And five were prudent. And the ones without forethought or wisdom, they took their torch, but they didn't take any extra oil in the receptacle. But the prudent took oil in the receptacles with their torches and those that were prepared. Went in. Those that were prepared. 
Those that were prepared, they went in. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. You know, we don't, we don't do folks any favor by coddling and ignoring and pretending. Now, you never want to be harsh or, or no judgmental, but you want to speak the truth in love. Right? Yes. And not be afraid somebody's going to get offended and leave. Hmm? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Under salvation to everyone that believes. Everybody said out loud, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The entire gospel. The whole gospel. See, see what, is the, what is the gospel, the good news? It's the good news of all the good things our good God has done for us through Jesus. Through the substitutionary work. Did you hear the word? Substitutionary work. He became sin with our sin so we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He took the chastisement of our peace. Did he or not? Did he or not? So we could have his peace that passes understanding. He took uh, the judgment for every kind of disease and, and pain and by his stripes we are healed. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Somebody say gospel, gospel, gospel. And you know the grace of God. That though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. That you through his poverty might be made rich. Is that gospel or not? It's gospel. Not a side issue. It's gospel. Gospel. And the reason the devil hates it is he wants the unsaved world to despise the church. He wants us to be so broke and so ineffective and so unable that nobody wants to be like us. I had a young man one time sit across my desk years ago. His father was a minister and pastor all his life and actually a wonderful church. And he had a call on his life. And he was telling me, he said, I, I know it, but I, I'm, I refuse to live broke all my life like my daddy did. And, and like we had to grow, I, I'm fed up with it. I'm tired. And he would not answer the call. Believe in lies. That's why the enemy Pushes so hard against this. He wants the church broke. He wants the church not able to do the job. He wants the church despised. What's the Great Commission? Go into all the world. It's a big place. It's a lot going on. And do what? Proclaim it. How are you going to do that broke? How are you going to do that? Can't leave the house with a tank of gas? 2 Corinthians 9, 1. He said, for his touching the ministry to the saints, it is superfluous or unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago. A year ago. They were ready with what? With their offerings. They were ready a year 
in advance. Why is that in the Bible? This is forethought, not afterthought. Why did the, the five wise maidens or virgins get to go in? Come on, help me out. Because they had the forethought. They had the will and desire to plan to take extra. Whatever it took. So that they could stay as long as they needed to. And not get ready, but be ready. Be ready. And so these guys are ready. A year ago. And the Spirit of... How many understand this is not just Paul talking. This is the Holy Spirit. Talking through him to these church and into us. He said, I've sent the brethren. He said, your zeal has provoked very many. Being uh, prepared ahead of time will inspire others. He said, uh, I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this half, that as I said, you may be ready. They're going to come check, <laughs> see if you really are. Ready. Somebody say ready. 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 Less happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, uh, that I don't mention you, would be ashamed. Why? Because you're not ready. Not ready. Not ready. In this same confident boasting, therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before to you and make up beforehand that's ahead of time your bounty whereof you had noticed that the same might be ready how many times has he said that now ready ready a year ago that you may be ready that you might be ready three times in a row that you might be ready uh, not as a matter of bounty uh, as a matter of bounty rather and not of covetous but this I say, he which sows sparingly will reap also sparingly. How many times have we used that verse for an offering? Yeah. What about the ones in front of it? Yeah. Offering is not supposed to be an afterthought. Good. Now, Grant, you might be in a special meeting, even like tonight. And you might not be part of the family, a local family or whatever. And you're just, you know, with us tonight. And so, yeah, you're going to say, well, Lord, what, what do you want me to do on this? Or if you want me to do something. But that shouldn't be the case with your regular giving. And your church home and your family and your partnership. That's why we have Vision Sunday every year in the early part of the year. And one of the things that we do, we write down, I believe it's the direction of the Lord. He said, write the vision, make it plain. We write down three main areas. And number one. Is what we're believing to put into the kingdom in this coming year and beyond. And then secondly, all of our debts and obligations that we're believing to fulfill and pay or pay off. And then lastly, anything we'd like to have and do personally and for others if money wasn't even an object. If price was not even a factor. But that's number three. That's down, down the list. That's on the bottom of the list. Number one. It's what we're going to put into the kingdom of God. 
And so what we have done, like I said, Phyllis and I started off with that just a couple of percent over the tithe. But then every year we'd start, you know, we start to add a percent here, add a percent there. And then we did exactly the same thing with the ministry. I said we did exactly the same thing with the ministry. Everything that comes in. We took tithe, 10%, plus an offering. We started out, what, 12, 13, 14. And every year I asked the, at Vision Sunday, I asked the people, what do you think? Stay where we are or do we add a percent? What do you think they say? Add a percent. Add a percent. And so this church is up to what now? Huh? 40%. Forty percent of all the general offerings that come in, we take right off the top and separate. We don't spend that on our church. Now, Sarasota Church is younger, and so we started out and began to add. Now, where where are we? Twenty-one percent. Sarasota Church. But like I said, Phyllis and I started with what? Was it 13 or something? 14, I'd have to look back and see. But it was just a couple of percent above the tithe. But then we've been increasing. We've been increasing. And when uh, Phyllis and I were talking about our offering for tonight, and she told me the latest figures, I shouted. I shouted. Still shouting. Because more than enough. Way more than enough to do what the Lord put on our heart about it. How come? Come on. How? Why do we have it? Why? Because of our connections. Because a lot of people know us. Because we're on TV. (laughs) Now you're laughing. But people, people, that's what people think. They think all this stuff. There's plenty of people on TV. Broke as can be. Uh-uh. What? No. It's because you keep putting it in there. You keep putting it in there. It accumulates. Then when something comes up, you don't say, I wish I had something to give. Amen. I'm going to back it up. Yes. Did you hear where it started with us? Yes. Are you all awake? Yes. The tide. Belongs to the Lord. That's where it changed. Then we just begin to add offering to it and increase. If you don't get that settled, you're stuck. If you keep spending on your stuff first, you're violating the first principle of prosperity. And listen, pastors and ministers. If you don't tithe, quit talking to your people about tithing. Stop it. You lead by example. You say, well, I'm in the ministry, so everything I have is a little. We've already talked about that. That's a cop out. That's. Mm. <laughs> Do y'all know why we're talking about this? We love you. I said I love you. I want to see you prosper. 
I want to see you so prosperous. I want to see you flourishing so much. Hallelujah. That you break out on the left and on the right. And it would thrill me if you just passed us right by. Financial material. I'd just wave at you and go, 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 boy. Go, girl. Do it. And then I'd say, we got to stir up, Phil. we got to stir up. Our students have already passed us. Time to get with it. But there is no, I'm not talking about competitiveness now. That's wrong. And it's certainly wrong to do things for to be seen of men. The Lord said this to me also this afternoon. And you judge it. But uh, there are ministers, they are tracking what their people are giving, the amounts of their giving on a regular basis. Phyllis and I do not know what our people give. If you announce something, a gift tonight, I'll hear it and know it. We shout about it. Some years ago, we had somebody that was uh, in the church for a while. And, and I love you if you're watching now. You've, you've made a correction, I suppose. I'm trying to help somebody else now. I love you. But at one point, they said to Phyllis, they said, you know, I was wondering when we're going to get the uh, recognition that we deserve since we're the biggest givers around here or in this thing. And she about fell out. And, and she said, well, I don't know what you give. And he was even more shocked. I, I, I doubt he was in the top 20 on what he thought he was. But I didn't know and I didn't look it up. Why? Why would I? Why? Why? Now, the Lord told me there's a number of people doing this. Pastors and ministers. They are tracking regularly what people are giving. Well, why are they doing that? They are endeavoring to determine if they think that person is really tithing and are giving according to where they're at, that is judging. I said, that's judging. And that's private. And the Lord said to warn and say, if you don't quit that, your giving's going to be judged. You're going to be judged concerning your giving. Because that's how it works. You judge and you'll be judged. I, I check your heart about it. Yes, hmm? God. If you believe I hear from the Lord about other things. Yes. <laughs> when did I go off the trail, you know? <laughs> I know I can miss it, but you know what I'm saying? Um, no, we do not. Now, our, uh, you know, your accounting, they have to see some things and know some things, but they know this is private. You do not go out. And tell people. You do not. 
There are so many reasons why in our great offering tonight there will be all kind of amounts. We will not know who gave the biggest offering. Somebody said, well, sure you have it. No, no, we won't know. We won't know because, remember what the Lord said? And some people have tried to use it and say, well, you know, the Lord was watching the offering that day. And when the one woman put in the two mites, so if he watched it, then it's okay for me to look at it. No, no. The Bible said that he, he beheld on that occasion people, the rich men were putting in much. Well, back then it was metal money. So a bunch was handfuls and she came along with the two mites. And he obviously had a word of knowledge that that was all she had in the world. And he called his disciples over to him. And I don't know that he said anything about it louder than that. He called his staff to him. And he said, you see that? She outgave everybody here today. Why? Because they, of their abundance, gave. But she gave everything she had. All living. How would he know that? Word of knowledge. But no, Jesus didn't personally keep track of what everybody gave at the synagogue all the time. No. And so it doesn't justify you. Let your accounting folks take care of that. And I realize if the church is really, really small, you may be accounting right now. And janitor. I, I, I understand that. So keep your mouth shut. <laughs> keep, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and as soon as you can, you put it in the hands of somebody that's faithful. Faithful not only means they won't steal and lie, it means they know how to keep their mouth shut. They will not go and broadcast and compare what somebody gave. This is serious business. The offerings of the Lord are holy. They are holy. And they need to be handled as holy. Is that okay? Go to 1 Corinthians 16. I'm, I think I'm winding up here. Well, actually... There's a couple more things. 1 Corinthians 16. I'm sharing the principles of what, why Phyllis and I made the changes that we did, what the Lord showed us during that time in answer to us crying out to him in our distress. In the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the first verse, he said, Now concerning the collection for the saints... I have given order to the churches of Galatia, as I've done that, even so I do to you. So in other words, this wasn't just a one-time thing to this church. This is what Paul did with the churches. This is how he instructed them to operate. We've already read that he instructed them to get things ready ahead of time. Don't wait till I get there. Did he say it or not? Don't wait till I get there and try to scramble around and put something together. And it's all we, you know, we wish it was more, but it, you know, it just, uh, this is what we could do at, at late notice. Well, what do you mean late notice? You've been knowing about this for a year. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of heart. And so he said concerning the collection for the saints, this particular offering, upon the first day of the week, so this is weekly, let every one of you, how many? Everybody in the church, is that young people, old people, married people, single people, rich people, not so rich people, huh, who, every one of you do what, 
lay by him. That's that word again, separate. Separate it from your stuff and set it by you in store as God has prospered you so that there'll be no gatherings when I come. And so that's that principle of when something comes in on a regular basis, you set it aside. You set the part, of course the tenth is his, and then whatever else is your offering, you set it apart. And you do that on a weekly basis, or if you get paid every two weeks, well every two weeks, or or whatever the case may be, with us in the churches, we have offerings every Sunday morning. And whatever other services we have. And so then Monday they're tabulating and counting. Well, we take that portion in this church, 40%, right off the top. So I said, well, um, that, I don't know if I could function uh, without that 40%. Uh, 40% of what? Huh? You can function wonderfully on 60% of 10 million. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't hear you. Huh? Or if your ministry's big, you know, 60% of 200 million. <laughs> if the percentage is big enough, 10% something. Depending on what you're talking about. Can God add to you? Huh? 90% blessed. <laughs> it's so much better than 100% not blessed. <laughs> oh, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now go with me to First Chronicles, and let's talk about the great offering. The great offering. Hallelujah. And we're not talking about all the things I just said. I'm not talking about, you know, for tonight. I'm talking about this is how you live. For the rest of your life. Whoever your church is. Whatever your ministry is. This is how you live. Do not. Do not please. Brother sister. Do not sit here. Leave here tonight and go. Mm, okay. I'll, I'll have to think about that. And, and then you fall back into your routine. And you'll look up. And 20 years will have gone by. And you'll still be wondering. Why you're at where you are. Feeling like I should be further along. Take this to heart. Take this to the word. Come on, y'all with me? Take take it if you're not if you're if you're settled. I hope you are. If you're settled tonight, well then I mean put your post down and say this is it. This is how I'm living from now on. If for some reason you still got questions. Don't stop until you get it settled between you and the Lord and the Word. Look at every verse you can find on this. I mean from front to back and go over it and over it again until you're comfortable that you know what the Lord has said about this. Not what somebody else said about what somebody said. You know what He has said to you from the Word. And I hope you know that how could you escape the principle that God is your source. Without Him, nothing good's gonna happen, right? He's my source. Should I honor my source? Should I? And that's what tithing is about. Tithing, you don't tithe like you're paying your electric bill. 
You don't tithe like you're paying your electric bill. Study what is it, the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy? Where the, the, the talk about tithing there. Go back and read that carefully sometime. You, you bring it before the Lord. And you confess about where God brought you from. How he's delivered you. How he's helped you. Hallelujah. And how you didn't dip into it in the hard times. And, and you talk about God, you are my source. Unlimited. Unfailing. And you honor your source. And what you're doing, you're giving him access into your financials. Into your business. Hallelujah. Open windows of heaven. Devour rebuke. And then whatever offering you sow in addition, multiplied. 30, 60, 100 fold. This goes back, goes back, goes back. One of the last acts of King David on the earth was the great offering. We've already found he's a man after God's own heart. He wants to do God's will and please him. And there came a time when, as, as he's older, and God's restored him some things and given him peace. He's, he lives in a palace. He has everything. And he called the prophet and he said, look, here I live in this palace and the ark's out there in a tent. I don't like it. I want to build the Lord a house. And the prophet said, hallelujah, let's do it. And he left. Before he could get far away, the Lord said, now turn around. Go back, tell him. It was good that he had it in his heart to do it. But he's not the one to do it. Too much blood on his hands. But I'm going to let his son do it. I'm going to let his son do it. So he came back and he told Told King David. And instead of being mad and upset about it. You know what he said? Huh? Church of y'all awake. Yes, sir. Do you know what he said? Might want to read that story again. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready like you ain't never seen somebody get ready. Watch me get ready. Is that a man after God's own heart? Is it? And so he prepared. Go go to 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 1. 1 Chronicles 22, 1. David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnifical. Of fame and glory throughout all the countries. So I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Hallelujah. Now skip on down to the 14th verse. Verse 14 he says now. Now you got to remember in just a few verses David's life will be over down here. This is at the very end of his life. He said, in my trouble, I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold. We talk about around here, we believe in God for uh, chunks. Chunks. 
Whopper chunks. This is Whopper chunk. Literally, a talent was a chunk of solid gold or silver or whatever the talent was. It could be as small as 60, 75 pounds or as big as 125 pounds, depending on what talent you're talking about. But either way you go, a 75-pound chunk of pure gold. And how many of them? <laughs> Are y'all reading or not? A hundred thousand chunks. That's three thousand tons of gold. Tons. Tons. And it's recorded publicly. Jesus announced to his staff about the, the two mites. There are times to announce. And uh, the woman broke the alabaster box. You remember that? It's published in the scripture. How much it was worth. And that it was to be included in the preaching of the gospel. Everywhere around the world. Why? Why? There are times giving needs to be public and big. I know some folks don't like it. We've been doing it for 20 years. It's working wonderful. And we're going to keep on doing it. Huh? And we're not doing it to impress you. We're doing it. Why would we do it? We're going to do it tonight. We're going to bring our offerings and we're going to announce some of them publicly. If you want to give but you don't want it announced, you don't have to. You can put don't say name and it won't get announced. Why would we do that? We want to honor God. We want to give him thanks for where he's brought us from and that he has enabled us to give like this. That's what we want to do. And that's what he's doing. Why are these figures recorded? Why would they say that? A hundred, and he said a hundred, excuse me, a million talents of silver. That's like 37,000 tons. Millions of pounds. What, what are we supposed to do when we read this? Be inspired. I said be inspired. So, if you just look at what he's put together, and this is the uh, national treasury. Depending on the price of gold per ounce and silver, not even counting all the timber and the jewels and all the other stuff, this is a conservative, way conservative figure. You're already at about $200 billion on these first verses. Go figure it up for yourself. Depends on the price of gold. But then he's not done. I said he's not done. Chapter 29 and verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said to all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender. The work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Verse 2. Or are you, are you watching, church? Verse 2. What did he say? 
What did he say? I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. The gold for the things made of gold. The silver for the things made of silver. The brass and the iron and the wood and the stones. The marble. See, all this stuff, we're not even calculating. We're not even trying to calculate any of that. We're only talking about gold and silver when I give you a figure. So I don't know how much more it is beyond that. I've prepared. Don't you like that? I prepared with all my might. Is that an example to follow? Then that means you. he didn't give as an afterthought. He didn't get there and go, oh, yeah, it's great offering night tonight, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got the building fund. Let's see. What have we got extra? Uh-uh. He was preparing for years. Yes. Years and years. He just kept preparing with all of his might. And he said, verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection... To the house of my God. This is why Cain killed Abel. Because his offering. Showed up by contrast. Cain's lack of love. For God. And rather than repent. He just wanted to blame. Somebody. There wasn't that many people around to blame. And the enemy came and said, Abel just did that to spite you. You see him come prancing in there with that little fluffy, big show off. And it's a lie. I said it was a lie. He loved the Lord. He wanted to give the best he had. It was just like that woman that broke that alabaster box of ointment. He just loved God and he wanted to try to express it. And he came and gave the best that he had. And the devil hated it. Oh, he hates it. He hates it. And Cain listened to him and got to the point where he murdered him. His brother didn't do a thing to him. And that's why people hate it today. Because when folks do things like we're getting ready to do. It shows up their lack of commitment, their lack of love, their lack of interest. And that's why people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to mention it. They say, well, stay off of that, you know, uh, that, that giving stuff. Stay off of that offering stuff. Well, you never want to try to force anybody to do anything. A lot of you are ministers here tonight. I'm talking straight to you. I, I'm talking straight. To you. you. You already know scripture. Right? But the Lord said to us, you know this, but you're not practicing it. You're not doing it. And when we started practicing it, our whole financial world changed. And we were able to, every project that we have released our faith to do has happened without delay, without hindrance. Some so quick. We all hear what a few years ago when we had that studio project. And I got up 
to come to the podium like I did a few minutes ago to start the offering. And Phyllis said, shh, come here, come here just a minute. Come here. I said, what? And it was what? It was millions of dollars. And I said, it was just like Thursday night. I said, what? She said, some of our partners just sent it in. It's already done. I said, okay. <laughs> We're having a great offering tonight. <laughs> but the project's already done. Glory to God. Somebody said, well, there wasn't any need to have the offering. Are you kidding? You hadn't been listening, boy. <laughs> it's not just about getting a project done. How many understand, pastors, Your people need to honor God. They need to tithe. They need to give. And you need to show them how it's done. You need to lead from the front. From the front. And not suggest they do anything that you're not doing strong. Everybody likes to, you know, pretend, but you know, money's a deal. Money's a thing. And people are just missing it right and left, playing games and pretending and hiding. And You can't control everybody, but you can get it settled for yourself. As for me and my house. Come on, church, are y'all with me? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that includes in our finances. We're going we're gonna to serve the Lord in the material part of our life. If you can't be trusted with worldly wealth and material things, you won't get a chance to handle the true things. And if you won't be faithful in that which belongs to Him, somebody else's, you won't get your own. Oh, but if you will, He will add to you your own. And in a short amount of time, you'll be soaring in places you only thought other people could do. You'll be thinking, what? What? Look where the Lord has brought us from. Look where the Lord has brought us to. And you'll be like the rest of us, wanting to rush in on great offering night and say, glory to God. Look what the Lord has enabled us to do. He said, moreover, verse uh Three, because of, I've set my affection to the house of God, I have my, of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above what I prepared for the holy house. Now, this is coming out of David's pocket personally. And pastors, preachers, just because your church gives, that doesn't mean you're giving. Huh? Well, our church does this and our church does that. Well, that's not you personally. He said, I've given all of this. But then he says, he said, here's my personal offering. My personal offering. I'm giving. And he he went on to say, he gave 3,000 talents of gold. That's about another 5 billion. And and 7,000 talents of silver, about 150 million. And then... 
He said, who else wants to give? And all the priests and the captains, they showed up with another 5,000 talents of gold, about nine, ten billion dollars, another 10,000 talents of silver. There are about 215 billion before they passed the plate. Then they said, who else wants to get in on this? And all the people gave willingly. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 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 Let me read the rest of this, and we're almost ready to to start receiving. Uh, Because these are some of the last words uh, of David on the earth. Um, Have I got the right place? Yeah, he said, uh, verse 10, when all, well, well, verse 9, the people rejoiced. For that they offered willingly, because with a perfect heart, this is First Chronicles 29, 9. With a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you. You'd have a hard time convincing David he's supposed to be poor. He just wouldn't accept it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't accept your doctrine. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you and of your own have you given us. Of course, when he gave it to you, now it's yours. We're strangers before you. Our days are a shadow. Oh, Lord, our God, all this store that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name comes of your hand and is your own. And, Lord, he goes on to say, but he is magnifying, verse 25, magnifying and glorifying even his son when he came into it. Uh, David went out full of honor, full of riches, and his son is secured in it. And it was years before he even messed some things up. Riches unseen. Why? They're reaping off of this. Solomon, he was the richest king, the richest, the gold. What is that? Well, they had sown all this. So here it starts coming back. Multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. With God, he's the God of increase. It, It never ends. There's always more. There's always more. And past this life, it really takes off. Yeah. <laughs> Phyllis, would you please come? I know it took some time, but do you think it's worth worth taking the time? Yeah. We're going to begin receiving the offering right now. Go ahead, ushers, and you can pass out.